Hello and welcome back. Today, I am pleased to introduce you to Kate Bocut, the CEO and co-founder of Rapid Fire IT. Rapid Fire IT was founded in the thick of the 2008 financial crisis, a time not unlike today, and has since gone on to provide outsourced IT services to over 1,500 clients. Today, Kate joins me in talking about something I think is super underrated until you need it the most, and that is how networking can help scale your business. Kate uses networking today to continue to get clients despite the current climate. And I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you will too. Hey, Kate, thanks for joining me today. So excited to have you on the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Kate, as the founder of Rabbit Fire IT, can you just go ahead and give us a brief introduction to what it is you guys do? Oh, sure. Rapid Fire IT, we're basically an IT outsourcing company. So businesses, small and medium sized businesses that don't need on staff IT, outsourcing that technology is a, a great way to provide that IT service that everybody needs and cybersecurity uh, without breaking the bank. So. That makes a ton of sense. So mostly for like uh, internal teams? right? You're not doing outsourcing for helping their customers, mostly for their internal team. Right. So uh, we provide the IT services for the business. Um, and so like we have uh, medical offices as clients, they maintain their patient database that has to stay HIPAA compliant. We make sure that uh, they have the technology resources in place to make sure that cyber security is up to par and you know the HIPAA compliance is there and things like that. Not always easy when you're in an industry that has to deal with a lot of compliance. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so you started this business with you and your husband. You were telling me just a little bit before we started recording about, you know, there was some hesitancy on his part. Can you continue? Let's continue that conversation. Oh, sure. Well, we, I started my, with my husband. What actually started the company was we were expecting a promotion at his work. He was working in IT and he ended up getting laid off. And this was during the 2008 just craziness. And he had gone through a few jobs that had been outsourced or downsized. And so I just said, you know what, let's just do this ourselves. Like, I bet we could do much better having a business than just going from an employee to employee, you know, just different jobs. So I just said, let's just do it ourselves. That's what we did. He was a little hesitant at first. His family does not have a lot of entrepreneurship in their family. There's, his parents have day jobs and they have their entire lives. I grew up differently. My dad is an entrepreneur and I always knew that's what I wanted to do. So when the opportunity came, I jumped at it and I had to motivate him. I feel like some days, but on the flip side, there are certainly some days where he had to motivate me that like, Hey, we started this, we're in it now. Like we have to keep going. So we tend to be each other's best cheerleaders in the process. And I think as a partnership, that's just what you need is somebody to help you when you're down 
and you can help them when they're down. I love that. No, that makes total sense. I think it's really powerful to have like two partners so aligned, you know, if people hesitate to go into business with family members or with spouses, what do you say to someone who's like, oh, I heard that's kind of not a great idea? In some cases, it's not. <laughs> I think that if you're going to go in business with a family member, there has to be a very clear understanding as what is work and what is not work. You have to maintain a relationship beyond the work environment. So um, when we're talking work, my husband and I, we talk work. We don't talk about our personal lives or anything else. But then when we're done with work, we take specific time where we do not talk about work. Um, which is sometimes really hard as an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs just have that 24 seven it's on and I'll come up with random questions at like 8 24 PM, which is not during work time. And I'll want to ask him like, what happened with this? And I'll have to wait until, uh, you know, we have to have our personal time too. So I think, that if people are thinking about that, they have to understand work is work and personal life is personal life and making that separation so you can maintain both relationships in a good balance. Yeah, I think that's great advice for any entrepreneur to do that, regardless of if they're in business with a family member, they definitely need to try and separate the two. Yes. You know, and, and it's, it is, you know, I think some people think that, uh, you can't really separate the two, which is true to an extent, but there definitely has to be time away in order to clear the mind. You know, I think it's helpful to do that. Yeah, I think some people uh, fall into that trap where they just work, 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 and forget about the relationships and how much time they are because, well, we all love each other. We're there for each other no matter what, but we need to continue, like, focus on that as well as focusing on the business to maintain balance. Everything has to have time for it to keep in balance. You know, people talk about that a lot of having the work-life balance, but that also includes every aspect of life, not just, you know, like your home, your work, your spirituality, your physical activity, all of that has to be in balance. Yeah. I didn't find that I knew a lot of gurus would say that they'd say, you got to focus on your health, got to focus on yourself. I'm like, Oh yeah, that just seemed like kind of guru talk. But then when you branch out on, you know, on your own and everything is on you, it matters. It matters oh, because yeah. if you're not on, then like nothing is going right in the business. So I see why gurus like say those things because it's never been more true when you're running your own business. Yeah. So I think it's funny how that happens. You like hear something your whole life and then, you know, 20, 30 years later, you're like, oh, that's what it meant. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to 2008 because 2008 was a different time. Uh, 2020 is a little bit different of a time. Oh, yeah. Um, but not many. I mean, that's there's a lot of uncertainty in 2008. Why? Did you feel like starting a business was more certain than, than getting a job at the time? What were, what were the circumstances around that? Did you, did you have savings that you felt comfortable you had enough of a runway to kind of make it work or 
Oh, I probably left that part out. I actually was working full time at the time and my income was enough to take care of everything that we had. And my husband was actually under a non-compete agreement. And so he was going to struggle trying to find the correct job that didn't interfere with that non-compete agreement. And so he actually went to school to do a couple classes to kind of freshen up on some skills that he needed for business uh, during that time. And I just worked and my job paid for all the bills. I added up more extra hours, like worked overtime when I could. And then almost exactly a year later, my job offered me a severance and said, you know, we're shutting down will give you this severance, which basically paid for about eight or nine months of the majority of my salary. Not, it was like, it's like 80% of my salary for that nine months. And so we lived off of that as we built the company. Uh, if I did not have that severance, I would not have done that <laughs> because you know, my dad being an entrepreneur, one of the things he taught me was you make a living between eight and five, and then you live your dream from five to eight. And when your dream can supply your life, then you can flip flop them and you can, you know, live your dream from eight to five, you know, as long as it's being funded by your dream kind of. Yeah, no, I think that's, thank you for not leaving out some of those details That's important. <laughs> Yeah, I think that man that's that's really great wisdom from your from your father, you know, because I think entrepreneurs being somewhat visionary and having these ideas tend to get ahead of themselves and jump in full full-fledged jump into the to the vision yeah. not realizing it's going to take some time. Oh, I think ahead. that if I had known what I know now, I would have worked even harder while we had that severance throughout the whole time. You know, I spent a month or two just being just a goof off, you know, doing whatever, taking a vacation, which was nice. Like I needed the vacation, but you know, the closer that got to running out, the more intense it got of like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get on getting enough clients to maintain our lifestyle. Because uh, I don't want to go back to work. Like I want to work like self-employed now. And I, I think if I would have known the end at the beginning, I would have like spread out that work throughout that whole time instead of like cramming it in. I tend to procrastinate if, if I can <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> It's, it's interesting going from working so much to then having the freedom to work when you want, you have to learn. It's a new, a new skill set to learn how to manage your time on oh, yeah. your own schedule. It's Especially so just starting out because when you're just starting out, it doesn't make a huge difference as to when a specific task gets done. You know what I mean? Like nobody's hounding you. You're not used to that. And so if it doesn't get done on Monday, well, if you can get it done by Friday, you know, nobody's going to raise an eyebrow at you, you know? Yeah. Yep. No, I, I get it. How did you, speaking of that, you know, while we're on this topic, you know, how did you start to overcome that a little bit? You know, the days get closer together. That severance is kind of running 
running thin, but you were starting to get a few clients at the start, right? So what was that kind of, how did you overcome that? What was that process like? So overcoming the procrastination, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Sorry for the long question. Everyone um, listening, sorry for the long question. That's okay. <laughs> I think when you have a deadline that you can't change, you start putting things into place. I got through the first few years of business by leaning on other people. I didn't really know anything about owning a business or entrepreneurship at all, except, you know, the wishful dreams that people have. I never noticed that my dad would be up at three in the morning working, you know, during specific times because he was just so busy. He needed to lose sleep, you know? So I just saw all this fun stuff about entrepreneurship, but to get into the procrastination, I, I had to ask people like, what do I do or how do I go about doing this? And then I'd start making lists in the early part of my business. Well, I still do this. I'll take an hour to a month and I kind of focus in on what goals I want to accomplish and what my game plan would be for that. And now I have it on a whiteboard. They're, they're sitting up where I can see them. Back then, I didn't have an office. I was working in my house. And so I had them on a notebook. And then I would break those things down to say, okay, what needs to happen each day for me to get to this? I have to admit that I wouldn't do the ones that I didn't want to do. Like I had a really hard time forcing myself to do ones that I don't like doing, but it's interesting to go back and look at those notebooks that I had way back when of like what I thought that the company needed to do or what I needed to do to, for the company to survive. And sometimes I've actually found some golden nuggets in there of like, oh, me not realizing, you know, entrepreneurship, I actually figured out something that I can use now because now I overthink. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I, th I think you're absolutely right as well. Staying goal focused and it, yeah, I, I don't think any, if there's anything wrong with not being able to force yourself to do something you don't want to do. Although at times we eventually do have to get those things done, but in the end it's because we want to do that more than we want the consequences of not doing it. So, yeah. okay. So you're eight months, you know, you're eight months, you have an eight month runway. What was your approach to start finding those first clients? So I actually, I felt really fortunate somewhere along those eight months, I was looking for health insurance to replace the, cause they were going to kick me off insurance. Um, and so I was talking with a couple friends of mine and I got introduced to a networking group that, you know, it's, it's fairly popular and they provide referrals to each other. And so I got in on that group and learned a ton about business and how to operate business, how to get clients, how to work my messaging to like attract those certain clients. So I've learned, I learned a lot through that networking group. And that's probably where a lot of my first real customers came from. I had a couple that lingered, you know, from my husband's old work or from my old job that came with us when we joined, when we started our own company, but like our own real clients, I actually get 
the first few years, I got all of my clients through relationship building and referral networking groups. So. No, I mean, that's, that's, is this a BNI group? It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been to some BNI groups. I think anyone who's listening and has not heard of BNI, they're a networking group that you can go different chapters in different locations. They all have their own vibe and their own kind of people. So you want to find one that's good. Did you go to a multiple or did you land on one that you felt like, oh, this is, this is perfect? For me, I was so new to the idea of networking and business. I, I really thought that I was going to have to go door to door on at business doors and do cold calls. And the idea of that just scared the crap out of me. And so having a meeting that said, hey, you don't have to do that here and you get business. I didn't even know that I could look elsewhere. I didn't know that there were other chapters. I didn't even do it at all. I took a few weeks to think about it. But in those few weeks, I had a few people call and say, hey, I, I really could use some help with the computer issue if you're interested. And then, like I said, my dad's an entrepreneur. So I asked him, I said, what do you think? And, and he's like, well, what's the downside? And I was like, well, there's, you know, this and this and this. And for me at the time, it was it, a lot of it was the cost and the time. I wasn't sure if it would be worth it. And the ROI, everything is about the return on investment. You know, what is my ROI? Is it going to be worth my time and my money? And my dad kind of spelled it out for me. He said, okay, what is the, what is the investment? And I explained it to him. And he said, you don't think you can make that money within that year of investment? And I was like, oh, I'm sure I can. And he said, well, then why are we having this conversation? <laughs> and so I, I joined in that group and learned about networking. And that actually sent me through a ton of other networking groups. I started a whole bunch of them myself and ran multiple networking groups for years and I still run a few and I was, you know, I got really involved with BNI, but I also got involved with a bunch of other groups and things. So relationships is really where I get the majority of my clientele and I've never expected anything from anybody. I just go in and I, I, I ask them how I can help and what I can do whether it has anything to do with my business or if it's just they need to know somebody that has nothing to do with what I'm doing, but they're struggling with that in their personal life or their business life. I've made a point to get to know as many people as I can. So I can call on those people. I do favors a lot for people. And that's really where the majority of my clients, even today, most of my clients are coming from those relationships that I've made over the years, you know, in, in helping people the way that I try, I try to just that selfless help. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's fair to say that the only reason we're having this conversation is because we're both a part of a, a group, <laughs> you know, right. right? Um, <laughs> I think it's super effective. I think uh, nowadays, you know, as a marketer, maybe I see, maybe I'm a little biased, but nowadays I see people trying to run Facebook ads or trying to, you know, pour, thousands of dollars into a website when going down the street and talking to business owners would do them much, much more. Oh yeah. As a business owner, I don't even pay attention to 
things that show up on my email or in Facebook or like, I don't pay attention to most of it. I'll, I'll look at it and see where they're located. Usually the first tail sign that I look for is, are, are they located here? Is it possible that I met them in person? And then if it's yes, then I'll, you know, keep looking at them. But if it's no, I, I don't You're like, I have a, I have a network for that. <laughs> I, I, I know who to ask to get, get what I need. Yeah. So for exactly. anyone who's, who's okay, so maybe they're starting a business or they're thinking about starting a business, but they've never been to a networking group. They don't know what BNI is. This is the first time they're hearing about it. What uh, advice do you have for someone just starting to learn how to network? You know, what's fun is people in networking, the whole point of networking is that they love to help. And so jumping out of your comfort zone enough to show up at a meeting that that can be huge for some people. Like my husband does not like coming to networking meetings. Like that is totally my thing. He is the typical IT guy who just wants to have a problem on the computer that he can fix. <laughs> he's social with people that he knows, but he does he's not as extroverted as I am. Let's say that. So I understand that sometimes going to a networking meeting is a lot for people, but if you can just say hi to a handful of people, find out what they're doing, what they do for work, and something about them that is unique and remember that, but then also ask them for help. Like if you, this is something that most people won't do, but it can make a huge difference. If you ask somebody for help or for a favor, there's a change in the brain chemistry because now all of a sudden they want to help you. And so if you're asking them like, hey, I've never been to a networking meeting before. What is this like? They all of a sudden want you to sit next to them. They want to introduce you around to the room uh, and share as many uh, stories as they can, get you the business that you're looking for. It, it's just really kind of a mind shift instead of going and saying, you know, sitting by yourself and seeing if anybody will come talk to you, making a point to go talk to somebody and say, hey, I've never done this before. Can you help me? It just totally shifts their mentality and your mentality and you'll get a lot more than you ever expected out of it. Yeah, I think because what you're saying is really be honest with where you're at and be open uh -huh. that you don't know what's going on here. And I think that that can be a little intimidating because if you start a business, sometimes the, the tendency is to get a little bit defensive thinking, oh, I'm starting a business. I should know what I'm doing right yeah. or else why would I start this you know and so I think going in there being humble and saying like I don't know what's going on but like help me out I think it makes a huge difference you know because people know you're not you're not lying you, they know your your intention is is good they can they can tell because sometimes you can't really tell what someone's intention is if they you know come at you a different with a different you know right and, and most people who are new to networking are trying to sell. They know that they need to sell whatever they've got in order to make some money and they've got to make money quick. And so they try to sell to everybody. And that's what turns people 
off about the whole situation. They at networking, they don't want to be sold to. They want to be there to help. And so if you go in there seeking help, you know, you're you're likely to find what you're looking for. But if you go in there to sell, people generally get more frustrated with people who are doing that. So it's kind of the opposite. You'll you'll get more sales if you don't sell. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think this is, this is great. You know, we're talking, you know, kind of get into the weeds here, but you know, if you, if your intention to at the networking event is to either get help or, or give help, it eventually giving enough leads to more business naturally. And you can attest to that. You can say that 100% happens, right? Anyone listening, this is true. It's really the case, you know, selling might get you a couple customers upfront, but over the long term, and you've been doing this networking for a long time, and it still has fruits coming in today, over the long term, the more you can give and help, the better you will be in the long run, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is that 2020 has shut down a lot of salespeople's way to their normal way of selling. You know, uh, a lot of the networking events have shut down or they're on Zoom, and so people have had to kind of reevaluate how they're doing things. But if you have a good enough name for yourself, I think that you don't have to work as hard during these times when you can't be seen as often. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think especially nowadays, especially during 2020, people are looking for people they can absolutely trust. And where does that normally come from? People they know. Yep. You know, I just got off a call, you know, where it was an old coworker referring some business and that's exactly what was happening. It was, they were just going to someone they knew right away because they, they needed something fast and they knew that they could trust us. So yeah, that, yeah. you know, it makes And I had that recently too with, and it was so funny because 2020, everything, I mean, I, I don't go out. I don't go selling to people right now. Well, I mean, I, I do sell some, but my normal way of being out in the community is not there, but I've had people from connections from the years call me up and say, Hey, I'm working with this client or I'm working at this new job. They need you like now. And I, I just have continued to have a steady flow of new clients, even though I'm not doing anything to go find them. You know, I'm just servicing the clients we have right now and occasionally getting some new ones, but the new ones are coming from the relationships that I've built over the years, you know, and same thing. I had some other competitors who bid a job right next to me and they took me purely just because of the relationship that I had with the uh, COO, you know, so Business is, is relationships 100%. So we've talked a lot about networking. You can't under, never underestimate the value of your network, right? The person you're sitting next to 10 years from now could be the person that's giving you the most business. So never underestimate that. Oh, yeah. But as we move in, you know, were there, so this was kind of the main strategy used to get most of your clients in the beginning, right? Were there other things that you did that didn't work? Yes, yes, absolutely. Some things that I I learned early on is um, you have to know who your client is. And that sounds cliche because everybody says it, but 
if you serve everybody, you serve nobody. So when I first started the company, we didn't know who our ideal client was. We decided, you know, we're going to be that IT company that provides services for home, home users as well as businesses. And, you know, we're going to do it the best. We're going to be amazing at it. And so we kind of flooded the market. Well, we worked with another um, ad agency and kind of ran some ads and got a few things. But the um, marketing material was towards those home users when really what we wanted was more business clients. And so without doing market research and knowing exactly who our client was, it was just kind of like, well, whoever gets this, you know, we'll service whatever they need. Um, we didn't have much of a niche. We didn't have a client like demographic. And so when we spent lots of money on marketing and advertising, but without any kind of funnel to say, um, this is the exact person we're trying to reach out to. Now that I know a little bit more about marketing and business, I know that I need to have a clear defined um, customer that I want to have. It's not just anybody. It's, um, you know, very specific people that have specific views on their business as well as how they operate. Um, as well as I like to have friends as my clients, they, I have to get along with them. If I don't like them as people, then I don't like them as my client. And so I have to, I mean, it's not hard. I get along with most people, but <laughs> yeah, you're very nice. You're very nice. <laughs> um, so knowing who my demographic is and then figuring out where it is that they are to know where to market. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Failed marketing attempts that we had before was just flooding the market to anyone and everyone and just hoping that that CEO was reading that particular magazine or looking at that particular article or that pop-up. Uh, you know, there was, there was no measure of how that was working. It just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that right now you're spelling out the dangers of going into advertising too early when you don't know who your client is. It's very hard yeah. to, it's very expensive, I guess, to discover that Yes. <laughs> via advertising. It's easier to discover that with a little bit of effort on the on your individual part. So, you know, we're coming up on, on the, our time here. There's just a couple more questions I wanted to, to ask you. Um, and one, you know, as this, this one, just kind of from our conversation today, because your father was an entrepreneur and now you've done more, more in entrepreneurship, did, your, did you see that improve your relationship with your dad? Did you understand him more now that you have your own business and, and things like that? I do kind of understand him a little bit more. You know, I, I tend to listen to his advice more, I would say. Um, my dad has always been willing to give me advice sometimes it was unwarranted like just unasked like I never asked for it but he'd give it anyway and I and sometimes I didn't really care for it but now when he talks and maybe it's because I'm older and I'm more mature and I'm like oh my parents aren't like crazy like they know what they're talking about 
but I also think that like, because my dad's been there, you know, I will go and ask him some specifics, particularly when it comes to financial. He is a CFO. That was his, you know, his thing was in accounting and I am not as good as an accountant as, as accounting as he is. And so I would go to him often and be like, okay, now what? And uh, I'd actually pay attention to his advice most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Well, for anyone who doesn't have that resource, I think what we've talked about earlier today, networking and asking for help is the exact way to find a resource like that. Oh, yeah. So if anyone, you know, if, if there's advice that you would have for anyone who's in like the zero to 100, 100 customer phase of the business or thinking about entrepreneurship in general, you know, what advice do you give to those, those people? I always, for me, I'm a visionary. I love mapping things out from the end result. And so to me, I have to, I have to do that. So I always tell people, start with the end in mind. What is, <clears throat> what is your purpose of this business and what do you see it providing for you? And then how are you going to make those things happen? And sometimes it's better to map that vision out when you're still not sure how entrepreneurship works because <laughs> the, the vision is grandiose most of the time and it's a good place to start. But what you also will understand in entrepreneurship is like a hike. I go hiking with my husband. This is my favorite. This is my analogy. Um, and I always am asking him, how much longer? How much further? How much further do we have? And he'd always say, it's right over that peak. And we'd get to that peak. And he was like, oh, no, wait, it, it's over the next peak. Um, and so we'd have, you know, an, another ways of hiking and I'd ask how much longer, how much longer I love going, but I just, I need to know where the end is for some reason. And what I've learned about entrepreneurship is that you think that you'll get there when you get to that first mountain and you're like, Hey, when I get a hundred customers, I am going to be, I have made it. I am a full entrepreneur and I'll know what I'm doing. And you get up to that hundred customers and you realize, I still don't know what I'm doing. There's still another peak over this way that I have to climb to figure out. And so entrepreneurship is not a destination. It is a journey you go through. You, you hit the peak and you're like, oh, I can see so much, but I just realized I have so much more to do. So it's not to discourage people, it's to excite them, but to know that it's all part of that process as you go through it. And having people around makes it just more enjoyable. I love that. I love that answer, Kate. Thank you. Thank you again for being willing to be on this uh, show and, and have take time out of your day to you know talk about I, what I think is very important. Yeah. Where can we find you? Where can anyone or listeners find you? Should they go join a group that you're in or should we find you online, Instagram, your website? Where's the best place to find you? Oh gosh, I should have had like a, a screenshot of my business card or something. Best places to find me on LinkedIn at um, Kate Bocut, and I have a Facebook page. I'm online. I'm on social media. I just I I don't spend a ton of time on social media. And then my company's uh, website is just rapidfire-it.com, and 
I, I'm always open to help people out on whatever they have issues with or if they need help with something. So reaching out to me on social media is probably the best, the best way. Perfect. And I'll, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Great. And thank you so much again, Kate. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the First 100 Podcast. Please remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Join us next time. Thanks for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode and any important links we talked about on our blog, the company blog, thefifthmarketing.com, thefifth, F-I-F-T-H, marketing.com. I want to give a shout out to the crew who makes this podcast possible. Casey Yardley, who's providing the audio engineering for each episode. Mason Smith for doing the write-ups and the show notes. I'm your host, Freddie Shelton. And if you want to nominate someone to be on the show, please reach out to me at info at thefifthmarketing.com. Thanks again for listening. And I hope to see you for our next episode. Thank you.